Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of Chasing Campfires. Uh, this is Tommy and I am here in Flagstaff, Arizona on a very cool evening in June, almost early July. But I'm here with a new friend, uh, Nate. Hey everybody. Nate, uh, where are you from and how did we just meet? I, uh, I hail from Minnesota, Ufta, uh, and uh, family down here with family. Uh, Visiting some friends, or visiting some family, actually, and uh, got the wife, three kids, and we were kind of pulling into our destination spot. We're looking for the right road to go down, and uh, glance up the road and see this sweet built-up Tacoma parked uh, parked a little ways up, and of course that caught my eye. And uh, my wife's like, "Oh, that's the road." So we go up, and I'm I'm kind of checking down the the numbers on the on the uh, on the rooms and. Lo and behold, it turns out that we're neighbors. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We saw you um, whenever you first came up. We had our blinds open. We're staying in a resort right now because um, we had free access to it. On uh, I'm on my honey, my second honeymoon, or my my first anniversary. Oh, congrats! Honeymoon or whatever you want to call it. But uh, yeah, my wife and I have been out for for over a week now, um, camping most of the time. But we had this resort stay, so we decided. Hey, let's go take it. Showers and some some relaxation um, instead of just camping, camping, camping every night. So, so yeah, we were here and we had the blinds open and we saw this guy peering into my truck and and uh, and my wife was like, "Who, who, who's looking into your truck out there?" And I looked out and I said, "I don't know. You just must be interested in Tacomas or what the tent is." And, and then he kept looking, so then um, I went out. I came out and I talked to you, and in oh, it was awesome. It, it was awesome. So yeah. So so you're from Minnesota, and you, and you actually what what do you drive up there? So I've got a 2006 Forerunner, uh, fourth gen, and uh, wonderful tan color. Um, so I've got that built up on um, OME suspension. I I call it the gentleman's lift. Um, I'm not looking nice. to max everything out but uh i can get into kind of the backstory where that came in in, into in a little bit but uh yeah my wife's kind of used to me ogling built-up vehicles when they drive past Um, my wife's the same way so so she just you know and the the kids will start pointing them out like hey dad look at that one hey dad look at that one (laughs) oh i know so uh, i it's it's kind of a a running joke a little bit but uh it's it's awesome to see out here i mean we don't we're getting more of it in Minnesota, um, kind of the overland style buildup. That's um, awesome. Is getting more prevalent, and the stuff that you do see is built up really well. Um, yeah. So you know, tents and and the whole nine yards. Um, but you come down here, and it's it's a totally different different level. Uh, Tommy and I were just talking beforehand. I was having dinner in in downtown uh, Flagstaff, and just in this little uh, intersection, there was there was like seven or eight. It was like a, it was like a Toyota uh, Overland convention. We had a Tacoma with a AT Habitat on it. We had a Land Cruiser with an iCamper Camper on it. Um, you know, Tacoma's built up, third gen Forerunner built up. It was just I'm like, wow, I don't even want to go into the restaurant. Let's just start peering. My and then my <laughs> wife, you just don't stop looking in people's windows. Stop looking at people's cars. I'm like, ah. <laughs> 
Oh no! No, it gets hard. It gets hard sometimes out here because uh, because you are in the Southwest, and and you and I were discussing that earlier. Is that in in the American Southwest or the American West, uh, you just see so many built up vehicles out here, and you see so many people that might just be on vacation for a week from their job and their family or yeah. just life for a week, and then you see a lot of people that are just living out of these vehicles. And it's anything from a Tacoma to a Forerunner to a Jeep to it might be a van, a Westphalia or something like that. It it's anything, and it varies so much. But you see so many people so so dedicated out here to the lifestyle of yep. of just getting out there, out in the middle of nowhere, down a dirt road, and away from everybody and everything, and just camping. And it's beautiful to see. And on top of that, it's it's beautiful to see all these rigs. Yeah, because it awesome. gives you a lot of ideas of what you can do yep. to to your own rig or to you know you can even talk to them and get their perspective on this camping yeah. lifestyle that they're doing because you might have the same lifestyle but they have a different perspective which might give you a new perspective on what you uh, you're doing yourself. So yeah, it's really cool to talk to people. Absolutely. You know? I mean, you know, in in Minnesota we don't like I said it's 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 growing more prevalent. Um and and we've got uh, you know I'm part of a group Midwest Overland Society that uh, nice kind of a it, it's it's kind of a, it's a loose group it's not real uh, I mean we you know forum and website and everything and and stuff but uh, you know it's not it's not like one of those consuming groups that you know that I, I read about or hear about or whatever the the more famous ones um, but the folks that are in it are, are dedicated and. You know, whether it's Land Rovers and Range Rovers or, you know, of course, some Jeeps and, and the Toyota crew and, and all that. But then, I mean, we get, you know, you get full-size Rams out there and, you know, you get your your American full-size trucks. Um, it's pretty cool. But you, like I said, you, you come down here and this is my first experience um, in this part of the country. And, yeah, this is your first time down here, huh? Yeah. And I I was just telling, I was just telling Tommy, I, I said, I... You know, you, whether it's you know, kind of pop culture movies, or whatever you, I, I don't, I don't know whether it's subliminally through that just kind of imprinted that that's what it's like in the Southwest. But I, as my wife and I are, you know, and the kids were driving around, you know, Grand Canyon or wherever, and you kind of see some of this, and you know, maybe the maybe a song comes on, and you're like, wow, I can really see how that song fits. Oh yeah, this area or well, especially when you go through Winslow, Arizona. I mean, you hear the Eagles when you go through there. So, <laughs> I mean, but yeah. Anyway, go ahead. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, and then, and then, the, you know, the just kind of that. I don't know if it's counterculture, but it's just not the mainstream. And and, you and that's see, good though. Oh yeah, and you, and you see so much of that here, just in you know, run into the grocery store or whatever. Um, every time I went to the grocery store, you know, there's a new kind of homebrew van that somebody put together and and they got all sorts of contraptions and things hanging off of it to make it to make it work for them and, and most likely that's their you know that's where they live they're you know they're nomadic and and uh super interesting and, and it's a dream lifestyle and it but you know how do how do they make that work you know within the resources that they have or or uh, you know obviously their their occupational situation is probably very different than mine Oh yeah, for sure. You know, so they're having to use creativity and ingenuity and just, you know, all that stuff to make it work for them, and I, I think that's amazing. The the other part that's really struck me um, is, and I'll I'll tie this back to my my rig. Um, so 
a good a good chunk of my growing up was I lived in Kenya and East Africa. And so my family, we did, we did missions work over there when I was a kid. Um, and we lived way, way out in the bush and for, for reference, or if you're ever really bored, um, Kevin Bacon was in a movie called the air up there. And he was, uh, uh, I believe he was a Canadian basketball coach, college coach. He was out recruiting players and he saw a video of this, this guy in Africa, uh, playing basketball. And he's like, I gotta go recruit this guy. So he goes out to this tribe in remote Africa and the movie, they call it the Wanabi, but it was actually the tribe that I lived with, which is the Samburu. And, uh, so it was a, it was a two day, what we would call overland drive that we did every two three, four, six months, depending on what the cycle was, um, where we would drive from Northern frontier area of Kenya to Nairobi wow. to restock. And so we had, you know, we had the, the FJ 40, we had the Troopy. Um, That's awesome. We loved it when we had the, the 60 because it was, you know, it had like bench seats and, and it wasn't <laughs> it wasn't along the wall wooden slats that you were sitting on like in the Troopy. Um, oh, but people love the Troopies here. Ooh-wee. Oh, um, I, I would love to have a Troopy myself. I'm, I won't lie about that. But. Maybe they're more comfortable in the driver's seat, but I was, you know, I was like 10, so I was yeah. never getting in the driver's seat. Um, you know, but then we had the, the defenders and, and then if we really had a big, a big, uh, shipment that we needed to make, we had uh, Mercedes Lorry. And so, you know, like day one was, was primarily paid, but day towards the end of that day. And then all the second day was everything from, you know, what we might call like fire roads and main minimum maintenance roads yeah, to straight up winching your trucks out of rivers and wow digging that stuff in and man. and that was a daily or like a monthly thing yeah that you was, had that was constant get your supplies you know, through where the, the remote area that we lived the one time was uh, our our last uh location was it was about a four to five hour um haul to the nearest civilization the nearest town you know for medical facility and things like that wow and so if something went down you know it you were going and you were, you were, you know, a good part of the year crossing dry riverbed. Um, but you know, you're, you're water crossing and everything. And I, let me tell you a story. We had, it was this one time we were coming up when we had, uh, we had the lorry and then I want to say we had the 60, uh, 60 series land cruiser, but I'm, I'm not pot. We had one of the land cruisers and, uh, so we, we get to this river crossing and it was dry at the moment. All right. And, you know, sometimes they may, there may be like a little, a little crick, um, of water left in them. Um, but we lived down kind of in the lower, we were down in the lower areas and it would rain up in the mountains. And when rainy season hit, it would be wet. And then all of a sudden the river would break and uh, like, for example, the one by our house, we're, we're talking like Volkswagen bug sized boulders. Yeah. Just come crashing down. Wow. The, the current would just pick them up and carry them. And if you're, you're, you're toast, oh, you can't yeah. survive. And it, it was, it would smell like a war. It was just like smell like gunpowder going off all the rocks hitting each other. Wow. So anyway, so we're, so we're stuck in there. And uh, this lorry had a, I, I don't know what the tonnage on the winch was. I mean, I'm a kid. It's irrelevant. But I, I do remember that it, it was tied into the the drive shaft and everything. And, uh, so anyway, so we, 
that one went in first and it got stuck. And then the uh, we had the land cruiser, we came in behind it and that got stuck. So we, we ended up winching out to this dead tree. I don't know. We were right at the limits of the winch, and we might we may have may have had to use an extension or something. And you know, it's not synthetic line back then. It's all, uh, you know, it's all wire and everything. But winch yeah. that out. Um, get the lorry hooked up. Get the lorry out. Link it back to the Land Cruiser. Get the Land Cruiser out. And I kid you not, thirty seconds after we got out, the river broke. Wow. It came coming down. Wow. And it was and it was just it was it was like that. And so that was my experience. Um, so here, here, well, well, Minnesota, it must be just very mild then. It's, well, it's, it's very different. So this, that's coming out here. I'm like, oh, I remember this, except there's acacia trees, which are the flat top ones you always see in in the Africa pictures. Yeah. Uh, So the, the terrain is very similar. So it's really kind of quickening in me, like. Yeah. I, oh, yeah. You I, can I get some this. flash flooding out here pretty quick. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. But just, I you mean, know, when I, you met me, you saw my truck. It was covered <laughs> in mud. And <laughs> there's a mud trail going I down went, the road. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I was on a road that uh, we went from basically Bryce Canyon or Kodachrome Basin State Park in Utah. And we were going to make the cut through of 30 miles down to Highway 89 to go into Page. And, uh, it was the quicker way than doing the three hours around and, of course, the more fun way. And uh, there was a little bit of rain down at the end. And um, I disregarded the impassable and wet sign as we were getting on the road because cause it wasn't wet. But my wife told me, uh, you know, hey, it's going to be wet at the end. Well, you don't listen to that. You say, you know, no, no, I have the truck and challenge accepted. Let's do this. And. It was a lot of fun, but yeah, when you met me, my truck was covered in mud. But, it was. Um, yeah, yeah, but back to the point, the flash floods here are, are, are pretty crazy in the desert. Oh, I, it, yeah. it only take, takes a quarter inch of rain sometimes to, there's just a river flowing. Yep. Yeah, and we were, we were and, noticing. And everything's the, uh, going away. We were noticing the, I don't know what they call them, but the big, big rain gullies next to the road. Oh, yeah. Uh, coming in, I'm like, wow, there's a be a lot of water that gets filling those suckers up. Those are, oh yeah, for sure. Minnesota, we just got borrowing ditches alongside the road. We don't have these. We don't have these big. Things, oh no, it's the so. same way in Texas and a lot of spots. That, yeah. You know, we we have creeks everywhere, and I mean, there's channels for water. There's storm drains for stuff to go down, but there's also these overflow areas that if we get because it's it's very possible sometimes in Texas to get six six inches of rain within three hours mm-hmm. and it's just all of a sudden six inches of rain and then it won't rain for two years of course but that six inches of rain will wash everything away but we're set up for it and we're ready to go and yep. you know all the water will drain off it might mess some stuff up but right don't don't give us any ice because <laughs> oh the ice will fuck everything up <laughs> but anyway um so yeah, back so. back to your story so yeah that's, yeah so that's that's, that's i mean that's that was kind of how uh, that's how you were raised out there. Yeah. And yeah. I mean, that's awesome. You know, I, I, I chuckle now. I mean, even just, you know, cruising around my kids are, I got three of them, uh, 10 to 17 and, you know, they're in the back seat. We're, we're kind of driving a little, uh, smaller sedan right now. And, you know, it's, he touched me, he touched me, he touched me, she touched me, whatever the whole time. And I'm thinking back to some of those trips and, you know, we were carrying for a family of six, um, 
three to six months of supplies where there's no electricity unless you we would we'd hook up the uh the car battery we had a solar system out there on the house and everything but so maybe for an hour a night we'd throw the the truck battery in into the system and have one light bulb for an hour uh, you know wow. that was it um wow. you know you hoped that maybe the water would work uh, but most of the time it was carrying water up from the you know off the uh, from the creek bed or the river bed um so we shoved a lot of stuff in those trucks right oh and, yeah you know it had a trailer we would pack full and for two days i mean you're literally sitting there in a little coffin of cargo you know, there's no room. You can't move. You can't anything. You're just packed in there. And to go get I, supplies so you can live for another two yeah, or three weeks. And, uh, you know, so, I think yeah. about this. You guys, I'm like, you guys got a whole back seat with nothing in there but whatever. <laughs> yeah, books stop, or games stop you complaining. Brought. It's oh, so great on. here. <laughs> How good you have it. Yeah. But it was awesome. I mean, you know, nowhere, nowhere, nowhere else in the world are you cruising down a dirt set of corrugated, uh, double track and you got you know zebra and giraffe all that other stuff just right there. i mean it was it was cool i mean i had we had a leopard that slept outside my window that's awesome killed that's a so horse cool. i didn't like him after that I, <laughs> I wanted him dead but um you know we lived way way out in the boondocks it was it was just it was taking care of yourself it was figuring out how to entertain yourself you know there's no no uh no phone ham radio um I miss that. I miss those days. We kind of got into a little bit of a pickle. Um, and uh, maybe I, I'll, I'll pull it up on my phone. Just, just to, I'll show you just to prove it. But So one of the places we lived at, um, we had, we, we got kicked out of the country. We were basically told to leave under threat of death. Oh, right? wow. And we're, okay. okay, we did missions. Like, so you have, you, God loves so you. you have to tell us this entire story now because I do. All, all the listeners are, are are very tuned in now. So, as you know, well, so we're as, we're going there. You know, God loves you. Jesus loves you. You know, He wants <laughs> He wants a relationship with you. Wants to get you to heaven. Oh, and and okay, I, you guys leave. Well, here's why. It wasn't necessarily because of that message. Um, it was because uh, my dad and and some other folks had identified some civil kind of civil or human rights sort of issues. Um, with uh, the government and, and how things were. So we were, like my dad was accused of being a spy. He'd get taken off to, you know, interrogated oh, wow. for, you know, with the local uh, constabulary or whatever they called it there, the police, the chief, army, whatever. Um, and, and how old were you when all this was happening? I was 8 to 11 when we were there. Wow, okay. So so you weren't born so, over there. You nope. were well, I was born I was born here. Yep. And, and you went over there for missionary trips. Well, yep. okay. So we were, okay. Yep, so we were there for 4 years and then so that but the government would come in, you know, it was me, I had uh, three other siblings, um my mom and you know, my dad was there. So but the army would come in, gunpoint, ransack the house, take stuff. Wow. You know, whatever. So That sucks. That, you know, that Ruffling those feathers, um, kind of you know made some enemies. So that um, somehow that got back to the states here, and we ended up on well, it was a small article, but it was on the front page of the L.A. Times. So I, I'm pulling it up right here, um, just so he can see. Right, we're in there. 
That's my mom. That's my dad. Oh, wow. Uh, February 2nd, 1987. Wow. All right. Okay. So, wow. these folks come out. And, and so, we can put this in the show notes for anybody that wants to see yeah. it, if you're cool with that. Yeah. That, so So, they can see it, too. But, yep. yeah. Yeah. No. Wow. That's crazy. So, anyway. So, yeah. So that they, is they crazy. come out. We end up on the LA Times. Um, ends wow. up kind of in the Reagan administration awareness. So, I think there was some, like maybe state department type pressure going like, Hey, we're giving you all this money, but you guys are doing stuff like that. Yeah. So yeah. it didn't really end well for us. So it was kind of a, Hey, you guys need to leave or you're not going to last much longer. Yeah, so it was well, a quick exit. I, I can understand that. <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah. But no, that's but, really cool. Cool. That you got to live that life for a little while. Oh, it was amazing. Because pe- amazing. people here in the United States, like we, there's a lot of people here that dream of going over to Kenya and doing exactly what you were doing. To go get supplies, yeah. and they want to go over there for one week and just go go get supplies, basically. Yeah, and that that was a normal thing for you, and that's really cool that you got to do that for yeah. for a while, especially when you were young. So, doing what we call overlanding here, which I call adventure travel more than anything. Yeah. You know, it's I'm I'm on an adventure and I'm yep. traveling, which Absolutely. is really cool. I'm seeing some new stuff, and I'm with my dog, my wife, or whoever. You know, yeah. I, I meet new people. It's great. You know, but you got to actually do what it you was, know what Americans right now define as "quote unquote" overlanding. Yep, um, and that's really cool that you got to do that. You know, so when I when I got into this, I so I I, I entered this kind of phase of my you know my forerunner all that when my I had a, a vehicle, died, great car. Yes. Loved it. Yeah, what, what brought you back into it? Yep. From So I, I had a Hyundai Santa Fe. Bought it in Hawaii when I was stationed there with the Air Force. Great, great two-wheel drive. Drove great. Got it to Minnesota. That thing was a beast in the snow. You drove drove it from Hawaii to... No, I didn't no. drive it to, from no, Hawaii. No, I'm had... <laughs> we, we We got some of those flotation tires. Nice, nice. Put the paddles on them. Absolutely. Oh, yes, yes. That's awesome. It was great. It was great in this dog. It's called overwatering. Overwatering. There we go. Yeah, yeah. Don't do that to plants or something. (laughs) But anyway, so that had a, a, after, you know, so quite a long time of no mechanical issues, we had a sudden catastrophic failure to the point that it was like, hey, you're not worth buying. So, so I, uh, you know, we're looking at what to get and. I, I don't know what kind of got me on the inkling of that because, uh, you know, I've never I've never really been a car or a vehicle person. I was always into bikes, the pedaling kind, not the motor kind. Um, but I just I kind of had it. So anyway, so wife and I, we went car shopping and we're looking around and, and we're looking at an FJ and we're like, wow, that's cool, but... Not really practical for a family. You, yeah, you, you can't see out of an FJ. An FJ is awesome. Don't get me wrong. They're cool, but you can't see out of a freaking FJ. So as a family vehicle, we're like, nope, that's not going to work for us. Oh, yeah, no. yeah. You know, I went to a Highlander and I'm like, ah, I'm so uninspired. And uh, so I was like, well, so I was like, let's go look at a 4Runner. So we went, looked at this 4Runner, Arizona car. So that is definitely something we look for up in Minnesota. So, so something that's not in the salt belt. Yes, exactly. Oh, yeah. And so it was all, it was in good shape. And uh, so I, I picked that up and it was tan. So it matched the, I said I'd get back to that. So it matched the the F, the uh, 60 series and, you know, the tan stuff that we had in Kenya. So I'm like, 
cool. And uh, so, you know, then not being a car guy, I'm like, I wonder what you can do to this. And then I, I don't know, I, you know, I, I think I just started, you know, looking stuff up on the, on Google or whatever and came across uh, 400.org and all that stuff. And I'm like, well, that's a rabbit hole you can get into oh real my goodness, quick. Yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> but it started connecting like this childhood experience with, I, I, I kind of miss that, you know, and I've always wanted to go back and experience Kenya and, and just, you know, go back and visit again and, and whatever. But. Um, it just seemed, it seemed right. So I, I just started looking into it, you know, and, uh, so that's why I, I, that's why I got into it. So I, you know, started building up with the, the, uh, I got an OME, uh, kit that I put on it. Um, and then just started going from there. And my, my thought was, I don't want to be obnoxious. I mean, I, I don't need this monstrosity going down the road. Um, but I want it to be subtly capable. Like when well, I come across what's, something, that's what's it's about whenever you build vehicles. And that's what we stress on the podcast too, yep. that you can take a Corolla out in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. And you're capable, capable, capable as hell, you know, and just know your limitations. Exactly. And know, exactly. Well, know where you can go. And it's all about just getting out there. Yep. And it's not about that. You have to have this built rig to go camping in at your state park. I don't, I'm not a fan of state parks, but you can still go camping. If you want to go camping Um, and you can get out on a ton of these forest service roads in a car. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, And you can camp out away from anybody and never see anybody for three days Mm -hmm. in a Corolla. Yep. Um, Now it's a Toyota, so I would trust it more than maybe a Chevy or something. Um, Just a disclaimer, but. (laughs) um, So that's, yeah. So that's why I kind of got back into it and, or got into it. Um, And I, I kind of, at the start, said, I'm not going to buy anything. I'm not going to put anything on here that I that I don't use or have a need for. Exactly. Oh, that's so. That, that's such a great mentality. For you know, it, I too. got to the point where, I mean, I had eight T's on there, but, it was, you know, it was something that the dealer put on there. They were, no, some you know, all trains. Yeah, just some, I don't even, I don't remember what brand they were. Just I some will, no-namers. Will, I, I will advocate the all terrain, so. <laughs> Um, I will but, advocate those though oh, yeah, because absolutely. you know because I, I mean my KO2s my my BF KO2s those things are great if I'm on the road they're not so good on wet road when it's been raining yeah. those things are terrible but if you hit some snow if you hit some ice if you're in the dirt or mud yep. they, they are great tires um, and you can put them you can actually put them on a Corolla so you know <laughs> Yeah, so I, I, you know, I, I use those. I went out, you know, got hooked up with uh, Midwest Overland Society. Did the first outing, my first outing with them. Actually, our first, our first uh, rendezvous. Nice. Um, and got out there and and thought, okay, I'm to the point where you know, in, in this terrain that I'm in, the the knockoff tires that were on there aren't really cutting it. So you know, did a lot of research and ended up I I put some Coopers on there. Loved them. You know, and so then I get to the next step and I'm like, all right, you know, the next year, like we're going over stuff that's kind of nervous about. I want to do something. It's okay. So, you know, I lift it, but it's my daily driver. I don't want to put, you know, necessarily a full three inches on it. So, you know, I want to put, you know, what works for me. And so, you know, I've been kind of trying to be very intentional about what I put, um, what I put on the truck. And when I, when I started doing this, 
I was trying to explain this to my dad. Um, and he's a, he was, he passed away in March, but he was a very, very practical sort of person. Very like if common sense, you know, if, if, if it doesn't make sense, it doesn't make sense. I mean, there, you can't, you can't twist it to make sense. And he's like, he's like, he's like, wait a minute, wait a minute, stop, stop, stop what you're telling me here. So what you're saying is when we lived in Kenya, what I used to do for work, driving from Nairobi out to the boonies, that was work. You now go and do this for fun. That's so awesome though. I I hadn't really thought about it like that, but kind of yes. Yeah. Yeah. I don't get that. What people do to survive <laughs> over there, we're doing for fun. I'm I'm on a forest service road, romping down it, going, this is great. And there's people halfway across the world going, I just need to go get some water. Yeah. And I'm yeah. doing exactly what they're doing, but I'm doing it for fun. Yeah. Hey, and you're doing it for fun. And everybody here is doing it for fun. Yep. Um, and just to get out there and camp in the middle of nowhere, we're like, well, this is great. Yeah. But that there, there are people just out in the middle of nowhere that, that's, that are that's going, we've got to do this to survive. And yeah. yeah, that, that really brings it full circle that, you know, it's yeah. not just, it's not just a sport. It's, it's a way of life in a lot of the world. And that, yes. I think that's really cool, yep. you know? Yep. Um, but it, it also highlights how, you know, regardless of what our our situation is, or regardless of, I don't see your lot is, if if we as you know, adventure travel overland whatever that community, we have the opportunity to do that. You know what a what a privilege that we have to do that for recreation and oh, for yeah, enjoyment. For sure. You know, or for you know, you know, if you're doing it for the adventure and the, you know, kind of the inspiration or whatever, you know, the personal betterment, because somewhere there is somebody who's got to make a similar trip and they they have to do it for a livelihood and for, yes. you know, making ends meet. And, and, you know, I'm not, you know, like you said, you could do this in a, you know, you could do it in a Corolla or you could do it, but, you know, people do this on bikes and people, it, it's not limited to vehicles. It just happens to be the, the, the avenue that you know, you and I that, prefer. Yeah. That we're doing right now. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's, uh, and that's why, you know, I, I started working for, uh, for an automotive aftermarket automotive, uh, manufacturer not too long ago. And so that we deal mostly with, uh, high performance suspension drivetrain, um, sort of solutions for drag racing, circle track, uh, nice. that kind of stuff. And, so you got, you know, you got a lot of classic vehicles and in, in the parking lot and, and, you know, just some, you know, the show car kind of stuff and, and speeds, of course. So to have my snorkel forerunner, uh, pull in and it'd be like, people were like, was it that? What's going on out there? You know? <laughs> and, you know, so they finally figure it out. Right. I, yeah. I'll put a picture up in my little cube farm area and like, no, oh, that's me. Um, but everybody said, sees it and goes, oh, you like mudding. No, no. Oh, no, I hate mud. No, I'm not. I'm not a mudder. I don't, I don't, I don't go find a puddle and drive through it. I mean, I have a, I have a good friend who said he is into mudding. 
right? He builds the mud trucks. He's hopefully finishing up one next yeah, year. Yeah, but a mud truck looks totally different from a totally built-out Toyota. Totally different. Yeah, with a tent on it, because anybody that has ever washed mud off their vehicle from, I mean, I did it this morning, and it took me an hour and a half. Yep. And it took took me thirty five freaking dollars to do it, and oh my god, it was it was insane. Yep. Um, I hate mud. Um, if I have to get through it to get to the next destination, exactly. okay, exactly, I get it, cool. But if I can go around another hour and miss the mud, I'm totally gonna miss that mud. Trust me, because yep. mud sucks. Yep. <laughs> so I, I tell him, no, no, I'm, I'm not into mudding, which kind of huh, rock crawling. Oh no, no, no. No, definitely not. I am not the rock crawler kind of guy. That is fun, but you need to rig for that. Exactly. And I, I, you know, I don't have the desire to invest in a mud truck. I don't have the desire to invest in a rock crawling rig. What I do have a desire to invest in is getting out there, seeing the world, um, broadening my little limited view that I I sometimes get so uh, caught up in. You know, going to work and coming home and chauffeuring kids around or you know, so doing many whatever. People get caught up in that, and um, I mean, it's very easy. Oh yeah, hey, hey, it's very easy because it's daily life, and that's that. That's what you do to make your living, and you go from point A to point B, and then back to B, and then go to C, and then back to B, and C being like the grocery store or something, and that's what you do. It's those three yep. spots all day long. Well, not all day long, but all, all week long. That, yeah, that's, that's what you do. And it's great to find a D and an E and an F or a Z. And let's find numbers. Yeah. That's fine. Let's find other stuff and just get out there when you can. Of course, I'm not saying everybody quit, quit their jobs and just no. do everything, anything no. they want to do, but it's, it, it's great to just get out there and yeah. to have a rig that can get you down these dirt roads. Yep. Um, and it's not even that you need all of the rig that you have. You don't need a snorkel. The snorkel is great on these dirt roads because that's what the snorkel Absolutely. was originally for. Yep. A snorkel is actually originally for dust. It's exactly. not yep. for water. And not I want to stress that to people. It's not for water. It's for dust. It's to lift the engine intake above the dust line so your engine filter can or, or your air intake can actually stay clean. Um, it's not, not for water crossings. It does help on water crossings, of course, but most, most snorkels aren't sealed up to take water crossings at all. They're not sealed up watertight to to make the crossing. You know, like on mine, the rest of my, you know, I, I did that as much as I can, but thank you for pointing that out because that's what everybody sees. Oh, it's going to be a submarine. No, it's not a submarine. Well, where's your diff going to breathe? Where's your exhaust going to go? Because you don't want. The water going up in your exhaust, yeah, because so, then you're flooding your engine from the rear, and you don't want that either. So, so my my kids actually bought me the uh, the snorkel for Father's Day a couple years back. Oh, that's so awesome! So my my wife loves talking about the the sweat that was on my brow when I was about to put that uh, three inch hole saw in the side. <laughs> of my, oh, I've heard so many of those stories. Oh yeah. Oh, I don't know how many times I measured, but. Yeah, and but the, you're exactly right, and so that's what I, I tell folks. I'm like the the whole point of this. I said, yeah, all those other things are great. Let me tell you what I I can do. I can sleep in my car. I can pull out a, a couple things out of my drawer setup that I made, and now I have a kitchen. Yeah. Um, I you know I've got all these things set up so that I can go from here to there, 
basically be self-contained for a week or so at a time and just experience whatever comes along on the way. If I have to go through mud, great. If I have to go over some rocks, great. I'm respectful of the situation and I'm respectful of the, my capabilities as a driver. Um, and I'm also respectful of the capabilities of my vehicle and understanding all of that so I can get to the end and also make it home in one piece is, is also paramount. To me. No, it's, it's an amazing thing. So I, and, and, it, you, and it makes you feel very accomplished if you can do that and make it home and you're like, wow, I was completely self-sufficient the whole time. Absolutely. So I, I did my, I did my first, um, uh, kind of point to point experience last, uh, it was actually last January into February, 2020. Um, my buddy, uh, Paul, we, uh, we worked together for a time and then his wife got, uh, she was in the Air Force at the time, and they got moved down to uh, San Antonio. But he uh, he got a hold of me and said, hey, you want to do a trip? You want to, yeah, let's do a trip. Where should we go? So we, we decided I was working National Forest. and so That's it, a good area. Neither of us had been there. I don't know if I've ever, ever even been to Arkansas. But, uh, but uh, we, so we go down, and one of the things that... Uh, One of the things that troubled me was that I was real self-conscious. Um, Paul's got a great rig that's built up. Um, I know he's very, uh, has a very capable <laughs> piece of equipment. And um, mine, I wasn't, I wasn't as confident in. And so going down there, I, I struggled with, am I going to be able to do this? And we, we actually met at a Cracker Barrel. And interesting enough, where I live to where we met at that Cracker Barrel in Arkansas, from where Paul lives to that Cracker Brown, Arkansas, was a difference of uh, about 11 miles. So about dead center for both of us. And I got there a couple minutes before he did. And I remember him pulling up and I hadn't seen his his Toyota. He's got a Forerunner as well um, since he left Minnesota uh, a few years prior. And so he pulled in and I was just like, oh, man, I really hope I'm going to be OK. <laughs> I really hope I'm going to be able to make it through this. And, uh, you know, so we, we ate, got some chow and, and fueled up and we got on the road. Um, when we got out there, we kind of made, we made some guidelines and some rules. And one of the rules was when it came to water crossings, which are very prevalent in Ozark national forest, um, was that we had to be able to walk across it. Um, as in the current couldn't be too strong to pull us away. And, uh, we, we had a stick that we found, uh, that was about waist high on Paul and, uh, and we named it Lewis, Lewis and Clark, since we were adventuring. Um, so we named this stick Lewis and whenever we came to water crossing, um, it couldn't go over the top of Lewis and we had to be able to walk across it. Um, the current couldn't carry us off. And we stuck to that to the point of turning around at times and saying, nope, you know, this doesn't meet our criteria. Um, we have to turn around, uh, you know, we're not gonna, we're not gonna pass through. And, you know, we got to the end of that, that week long trip and we experienced everything from 70, 73 degrees and sunny to 26 degrees, snowing and ice. 
Wow. We had sun, we had rain, we had ice, we had snow, and then we had this weird stuff. It was so humid. When we were going up this one, uh, it was actually, I think it was our second to last campsite. We were going up and there, there was a fire lookout that used to be there. Now it was just concrete pads. But there was a literal line um, in the elevation. And when we crossed that line, all that humidity that was wet below. Just went away? Nope. It turned to ice. Oh, and wow. So all the vegetation got an exoskeleton of ice. Wow. And so where we camped, everything was this, was, and it, and the wind blew and it all creaked. It was, no, it was foggy. It was creepy as could be. Then we found all sorts of, you know, dead or uh, bones and stuff from dead critters. But we made it to the end of that. And, you know, looking back, I realized that, you know, it taught me an important lesson about understanding capabilities, understanding limitations, and then being willing to stick to those um, commitments that you made um, to get you through. And and we both took our vehicles, I think, to, to a point um, you know, kind of to the max of where we were comfortable, um, given the, the equipment that we had. And that's um, great though. And it, it was amazing. It was an absolute, it was a, it was an awesome. It makes trip. the trip a lot easier. Um, yep. for sure. Um, and you should always just know your limits. Um, don't, don't ever, don't ever overexert that because, because you could end up in a situation even with your, if you're with other people, you can end up in a situation that's very dire, really quick. Absolutely, um, absolutely. And you don't want to do that. Your 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 point in being out there is to enjoy yourself and explore. It's not to see if you can put yourself in a situation that you need to be rescued. Yeah, and you don't want to be rescued. Nope. No, nobody wants to be rescued. You know. Uh, oh, all right, cool. You got stuck in a little bit of mud, or you can't get up a little bit of a shelf ledge or stair ledge on some rock and your buddy needs to winch you for two seconds. Okay. All right. That, 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 that's fun. I get that. But to get out there and to just completely throw any reservations that you have about anything out the window and just say, I'm going to do it because you think your chest is really big or something. There's no point in that. Right. There's no point in that at all. You know, it's, it's all about knowing what your rig is capable of, capable of, and what you, as a driver, are capable of. Exactly. Yep. So, yep. Um, I I uh, I listened to another podcast and they call it the Dick. It's the driver IQ. So the DIQ. It's the Dick. You gotta you gotta know how how big your Dick is before. Yep. You know, and follow how how big that is. And if it's not that big, don't don't do it. Right. Just don't do it, you know? Um, and it can save a life. It can really save a life sometimes. Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, I, I look at some of the, some of the things that we came across and, um, you know, we, it wasn't, uh, we didn't have, you know, like these big drop-offs and things like that that you might find in, you know, Colorado or places like that where you're just going to roll down forever. But, you know, there's, you know, there's two rolls. There's a sense. Enough. There's, there's, um, you know, there's opportunities to go over, um, all of that stuff. So it may not look as extreme, but it doesn't take a whole lot to, to make a bad day or to, to end your day. And so or to end your life. Yep. And, uh, so understanding all that and, and being, being comfortable enough with yourself to, to respect that, 
boundary. Um, it was a great lesson to learn for that and also to, to apply to other, other areas. So, Oh, for sure. And it's great to know people too, that have done, yeah, have done other stuff. And if you have an off-road park near you, you know, to go out to the off-road park, it's not that you have to go take your fourth gen forerunner or your, your Corolla. I always go back to Corolla because, or, or Prius, because we always laugh that we're on, um, we're on these forest service roads, like in New Mexico or something. We're like, that was really cool to climb over those rocks. And then we all stop to open up a beer or something. And we're like, all right, that was, that was a lot of fun. And then a Prius goes driving past you and you're like, what the fuck, man? There goes a Prius, and we're so proud of ourselves right now. What the fuck is happening? You know, so, um, but it's good to know it. it it's good, good to know your limits, and it's it's good, good to get out there and know what your truck does, especially before you get way off the grid, mm-hmm. um, because there are a lot of spots in the Western United States. I mean, there's spots just within thirty minutes of here in Flagstaff that there's zero cell cell phone signal. Oh, yeah. And when you get into southern Utah, where I've been the past, you know, week, there's there's a lot of no cell phone signal everywhere. Um, but if you have an off-road park near you and you have some people that have done a lot of off-roading before that you just got hooked up with, they like camping too, you know, maybe, make, maybe go out on that Saturday or Sunday, you know, just for a few hours and just, I'm not saying go rock crawl your vehicle, but. Well, you can you, learn. But you can learn. Absolutely. Okay. This is just a little step. It's like a little stair coming up to this porch right now that we're sitting on, um, which might make a lot of pe- people nervous. But, you know, to be able to know that, okay, this is where I need to put my tire. Yes. Absolutely. And then I'm up and over. I'm fine. Cool. Yep. Okay, cool. Yep. This is how it needs to work. And you can actually build your skills from there. You don't have to You don't have to go out in the middle of nowhere and build your skills. Yep. You, you can build your skills right next to your house at a park, you know. Don't do it at the city park on the stairs or the playground. I don't yeah. recommend that. Um, please don't do that. But um, no, if you have, if you have an off road park for any listeners that that haven't done a whole lot of off roading, try that. Go out there and just and just test your vehicle a little bit. It, it it doesn't take a lot of a lot of anything to do a lot of a bunch of these obstacles. It's just it's it's all about the driver IQ. So yeah, it's it's learning the technique, and I compare it a lot to like a mountain bike park. Um, we used to live pretty close to a, a mountain biking area and they built a, a skills park at the front and, you know, so it's some whoopties and there's some logs to ride across and some rock gardens and, you know, um, just, you know, all sorts of things that you might see on a trail. And, you know, if my kids wanted to go ride their bike. Yeah, sure. I go, go over there. I'd plop down on a bench and they could, you know ride in circles around that all day long and learn stuff. Um, but for the, you know, for a, a mountain biker, you're probably, you're not going to go like, I'm going to go mountain biking and go to the mountain bike park. Yeah. You want to go to the trail, but you use that, utilize the mountain bike park to work on areas where you're deficient, whether it's how to navigate a, a rock garden. So that when you're out on the trail, you don't bust your collarbone. Yeah. Right. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You learn and no, to, no, nobody wants to do that. So no. And you know, you you get out and you you know learn how to ride ride across the logs and and learn that you know how do I balance better on yeah. on these narrow stretches. So same thing with with parks or other other places that are a little bit safer to uh, to try out where you're not going to get 
you know, stuck out somewhere and, and kind of stranded. Um, oh, and you can totally. do little whoops. We call them whoops in the off-road world. You can do little whoops instead of doing big whoops out in the middle of nowhere because I, a big whoops out in the middle of nowhere can can be life or death sometimes, you know, right. especially if you're out in the desert, you know, in southern Arizona or, you know, in Nevada or something. You do a big, big whoops and you're out there by yourself and, and, and you break something and there's no signal for a cell phone and you're out there in the middle of nowhere. And, yeah, you got a tent. Okay, cool. And you got some water, but... When's the next time somebody's coming through? Right. You know, you gotta you gotta watch what you're doing sometimes. You know, absolutely. I mean, you actually you always have to watch what you're doing. You always do. But um, you you can learn your uh, your limitations, and you can actually get to some cooler campsites sometimes once you learn those limitations um, and know that okay, yeah, um, all right. If I get out and look at this, okay, no, I can do that. And you get out and you look at your obstacle. It, it always looks worse when you're inside the vehicle. It always looks really bad. But but once you get out and you look at it in person, you're like, okay, cool. And then you can go up that obstacle. And then you can get some really cool campsites. Yeah. Um, I mean, my wife and I camped at uh, a site a few nights ago that um, in Utah, in central Utah, that was on the side of this cliff. And we had some red hoodoos from red canyon off in the distance and it was raining to, to to the north of us and we were watching this rainfall it was amazing um but we were out on this point that was just it was drop-offs everywhere and it was a little bit of a a challenge to get like the half mile back in there but it was nothing that didn't that wasn't any challenge more challenging to me than what i did at my off-road park four or five years ago. Right. You know, it was very easy, but if you've never done it, it would have been scary as hell. And yeah. you could have probably just driven off the edge if you didn't know, okay, I need to put my tires here. Okay, cool. I'm good to go. You know what I mean? Yep. So yeah, that's, that's always, I always preach that it's, it, you know, practice, pra- pra- practicing is easy. And it's fun. It's so much fun to go to the off-road park. So, you know. Yeah. You know, but so, so, so what kind of off-road parks do you guys have, have up there in Minnesota? So, um, Minnesota is not, it does not have a lot of, uh, public land, you know, like we have. No, well, Texas does, doesn't either, but, but we so, do have off-road parks. Yep. Yeah, so we, we have a couple parks, um, that are in, you know, a few hours, if you're in the, in the, in the cities area, like I am, um, North Wisconsin's got some, um, people, uh, so they'll, they'll go and experience that, um, do some of that. I personally haven't been to any of them, um, up, up into the iron range area up in Northern Minnesota. Um, some of the, you know, how they, they, uh, regulate, uh, some of the, the trail systems and things like that changes a little bit. So there's, there's a little bit more, uh, opportunity up there. Okay. Um, to even get off into the trails, but cool. There's a there's a few privately run parks that are, um, in the vicinity that the people frequent quite a bit. So yeah, that that's all we have in Texas is privately run. So it's it's an easy twenty five dollars a day if you want to go out for an hour, or out for eight hours. It's twenty five bucks yeah. a day, and it's it's cool. It's it's a lot of fun, but yeah. 
it does get expensive and and, and you get tired of the trails, you know, because I mean, we have some around Austin that are really fun, but if I've done them so much, it's like, yeah, you're, you're just, you're running it's around the, the same, it, it's yeah. the same thing over and over again. I mean, I'm, I mean, we have an awesome one, Hidden Falls, right next to Austin, which is, I don't know, it's, it, it's pretty big yeah. and it has some stuff anywhere from like five diamond to, like one diamond stuff that, but the five, five diamond stuff, you know, after a rainfall is like a 15 diamond sometimes. And, and you see people out there just candy caning drive shafts and like you joints just going left and right and parts flying everywhere. These rock crawlers, these people have built and it's fun to watch it or fun to go sit in these things. But, you know, I I'm not gonna do it in my truck. Right. Exactly. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, that's for sure. But um, it it would be fun one day. I mean, I, I mean, we talked talked about this earlier. It it would be fun one day to actually have have a vehicle dedicated for that kind of fun. You yep. know, like I said, I but it's I not 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 your travel vehicle. Right. I got. <laughs> so. a, I mentioned earlier. I got a, a buddy um, of mine that builds stuff. You know, he'll build, build rigs and things and. So they uh, they focus kind of on the on the mud trucks, the fifty two inch tractor tire kind of things. Oh wow! Them Wisco boys is their is their <laughs> handle. So nice. uh, they build them and, and take them all over. And it, it's it. I mean the the horsepower that comes at you know that they put into these things. I mean I think he's oh, I want to say he's going to be pushing eleven hundred on. Oh good lord! You know on the new one. Um, I, I could be overstating, might be eight hundred, but a lot. You know, that's yeah, a lot of that's power a lot. That goes into these things. And, that's a lot. You know, and they're all you know, just straight piped and whatever. So there's, it just, you just feel the energy when they're, they're rolling and they're sending up, you know, their big old angel wings of, of mud and stuff. And it's, it's, you know, they're incredible machines. Um, but it's, you know, it, it, at least at this point in my life, it, it's not where I'm going to invest in. Um, what I, what I, am no, in, no, me, no, me either, but you know, it's, it, it's one day. It would be oh, a fun it, toy. Oh, absolutely! Not absolutely. the mud truck, but just and yeah, I wouldn't want like the horsepower. The I want the low end torque to just crawl yeah, stuff. Just crawl, you know. What a, what I am um, looking forward to in Minnesota is we you know right now um, we are trying to get approval for um, a border to border adventure trail, um, so we can go. Through the state? Yep. East to west. Nice. Uh, through the state. Um, oh, very it's, nice. It, it, you know, it incorporates already existing public roads and stuff. But it just, you know, it... it um, like county roads? Yep, county roads. It's it's all, you know, it's all, it's all in, already in the system. But there's a big stigma, you know... Um, with folks like oh you you know it's all it's all going to be the jeepers it, you know it's the it's the antithesis of tread lightly that's going to be running through there and that's what people think and so you know to put a you know to to get an official stamp on it and to to actually put those I mean you can go and drive it now right you can go yeah. across yeah um, but to kind of get it there and and to start using it as a as a tourism and as a, a thing um, scares people. Um, so that's that, you know, that's getting closer and looking at, uh, you know, South Dakota's got trails and Wisconsin's got, uh, the trans Wisconsin adventure trail. Oh, really? Oh, wow. So that's really cool. I, I didn't know Wisconsin had anything either. Yep. That's um, pretty cool. So that's pretty cool. So the stuff is out there to start going. 
um, and doing, you know, some of the, the travel stuff there. So um, that's what I'm excited about looking forward and, and kind of where, where I hope to see this whole experience go for me. No, that's awesome. Um, I, I, I think it's really cool that you guys are going to do something here or there in, uh, in Minnesota and make some, something happen as far as an adventure trail up there. That's because there's so much stuff here in the West, you know, that you, I mean, it's endless here in the West, Yeah. but for somebody like you, that's in Minnesota or in Wisconsin or in the Dakotas, that there's not much there. And you guys have a very limited time during the summer that you can do it before it's ice and snow, like and you're done for the winter. But, um, but yeah, let's touch more on this again. Um, yeah, awesome. it, it was great talking to you and we're supposed to, uh, make, maybe meet up here in a few months or something or, yeah, my, or in my, a year and we're going to go to Utah. That's so that's the hope. Yeah. Paul and I are, are looking, you know, looking at where the next trip was. I, I, I wasn't able to make his trip, uh, this year with, uh, my dad passing, but I'm, I'm super stoked to get, get back down here, you know, Utah or Arizona somewhere. But, uh, <laughs> I, yeah, I, I look forward to the next, the next big trip and, and it, it kind of gives me some inspiration to, you know, start tinkering and building and how do I need to, yeah. How do I need to tweak my equipment and my skills and my preparations? No, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. And I think you gave everybody that's listening right now a great, a great inspiration on where, where to start their rig at least. So, um, so yeah, let's go go ahead and wrap it up here. Um, it was great to have you on Nate. Appreciate it. Um, and, uh, we'll talk to you all you guys soon. Thanks for tuning in.